Let's pray a blessing on her this morning. I know she had a fantastic message last week. I didn't actually hear it, but I heard about it. So I think you're doing a little bit of a part two this week, so on the Father's love. Father, we ask your blessing on Michelle. We bless her to speak. We ask you to fill her, that your Holy Spirit will anoint her continually, Father, and that you will give us ears to hear with and eyes to see with and hearts to comprehend. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Well, good morning, everyone. How many were here last week and heard the first part of the message? Okay, we have a number of you that weren't here for last week's message. I'm going to uh, review just a bit of it to kind of uh, make sure that we're all on the same page. But if you didn't hear last week's message, I encourage you to go on the website, www.newlifealpina.org. And under media, you can listen to last week's message because it really was a foundational truth um, basis for what we'll be talking about today. Today's message is called Adopted by God. Adopted by God. And so that's what we'll be talking about. I'm going to uh, review just a few things from last week because uh, that really is going to launch us off into what I'm going to be sharing today. But uh, first of all, I want to just say that I'm glad that each one of you are here today. I feel like this message on God the Father's love and understanding that truth and that revelation is one of the most important messages of the New Testament. Jesus came to reveal the Father. He said that in the Gospel of John. He said, I've come to reveal the Father. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Do you remember Doubting Thomas, as we call him, who said, I will not believe unless I can see him standing in front of me and I can put my hand in his wounds on his side and feel the the scars in his hand. And when Jesus appeared before him, he said, to his disciples, have I been with you so long that you have to ask about the Father? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so Jesus came and he revealed the Father. And if you want to know what God the Father's like, read about Jesus. Read the Gospels of Jesus Christ. Study Jesus and see what his character and his nature was like. Because when he was moved with compassion and he reached out to people and he healed people and he set people free and he ministered to people and he restored the widow's son, the woman who had only one son who was dead, and he walked up upon this funeral procession and he reached out and he broke the power of death off of that son and gave her son back to her. That was the Father's heart flowing through Jesus. Jesus wasn't acting independently, but he was revealing the Father. And he, he ministered to people, and he brought God's kingdom, and he brought God's love and his light wherever he went. And so if you want to know what God the Father's like, please look at Jesus and see what he's like. He only dealt harshly with those who were legalistic and critical and, and um, putting burdens on the people of the time that were not of God, and he dealt harshly with them. He said, you are like whitewashed tombs. You're like filled with dead man's bones, like sepulchers and tombs filled with dead man's bones. But to the people that were seeking, that were broken, that were needy, that were those who were um, looking for hope, he gave hope everywhere he went. He brought life everywhere he went. He brought love and compassion and mercy. Yes, he talked to them and he said, you know, go and sin no more. But he empowered them and he showed them that they had value and that their life was a life that was significant. And that's what God wants us to know as well. So the message that I'll be sharing here this morning on being adopted by God is truly one of the most important revelations of the New Testament. Um, there's... Others, of course, that 
are, are important. Jesus Christ as the Messiah and having our sins forgiven and being born again. But the thing that Jesus kept speaking of over and over and over was having them shift their focus and begin to see that God was a father who loved them and who wanted them to be a part of his family. I didn't bring my glasses in that I used last week. I used some of those big glasses that uh, are colored lenses. And I talked about how I put them on, actually. I know they looked a little bizarre, but uh, they're in my office. I wonder if I should have someone run and get them. Actually, would you go in my office? I don't think it's locked. It's on the top shelf of my desk, if you'd grab those. Just as an illustration, I talked about how a lot of times we have a a wrong lens that we're looking through. We look through a lens that's distorted, and it's a lens that's not a true representation of that which we are looking for. And so we, uh, we need to have a fresh perspective. We need to have our lenses cleaned, if you will. How many of you wear glasses, and sometimes you've been wearing your glasses for a couple days, and all of a sudden you notice that there's a lot of smudges on them? You take them off, and you hold them up to the light, and you're like, oh, my goodness, these need to be cleaned. Well, I'm not going to put those on right now. Thank you. (laughs) Um, These need to be cleaned. Well, that's how it is with our perspective. Sometimes we need to have our lenses changed. And as I put these on last week, I told everybody that they were a shade of blue and they were a little distorted because of these. And I just used it as an illustration that a lot of times we're wearing something that's completely wrong in our mindset. And when we are thinking of God and what he's like and thinking of how how we relate to him as his children, we need to take these things off because they're false. They've got smudges on them and they don't truly represent what God is honestly and truly like his nature. So we're going to look at some things in the Word of God this morning to help unpack these, this truth about God as Father. We're going to hopefully get our minds renewed a little bit. The Apostle Paul talked about that, how we need to get our minds renewed. That means almost like washing our minds with God's Word. God's Word is oftentimes referred to as water. And some of us have some junk in our minds that actually needs to get washed away because it's not put there by God. It's as if you're a computer and you've got a virus in your computer and you need to have your computer uh, debugged, you know. And so that's how our mind is. And so let's give God permission this morning to wash our minds and to cleanse us of lies that are not true, ungodly thoughts and beliefs about God and about who we are as his children. Because in reality... When we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior, and we come into the family of God, and we're born again of the Spirit, we are at that moment adopted into God's family, and we belong. And that's what we're going to explore this morning. We talked a bit about it last week, but I didn't get a chance to go into it very very deeply. Let's just turn, if you will, with me to John chapter 14, verse 23. This is a review from last week, but this is a real key verse. And I shared with you that this is a verse that if you were reading through the chapter, chapter 14 of the Gospel of John, if you were reading through it and you came upon that verse, you'd think, oh, that's, that's interesting. I wonder what that means, or why is that there? It doesn't seem like it even fits. So verse 23, I've got to find it myself. That's not right. One moment, please. Verse 18, I apologize. Wrong verse. Right chapter, wrong verse. John fourteen eighteen, where Jesus was talking to his disciples, and he was promising them that the Holy Spirit was going to come 
and be with them and guide them. And then all of a sudden, in verse 18, right when he said that the Holy Spirit's going to come into them when they receive Jesus as their Savior and live with them and be in them, he said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I'm going to come to you. I will be with you. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. And he was introducing, throughout the whole time that he was with his disciples, he was introducing a new concept to them as God, of God as a father. God as a father. That was a totally revolutionary concept. To us, it seems like we've heard that when we pray the Lord's Prayer. Jesus taught his disciples to pray and say, Our Father, who is in heaven. So that seems like a rather common thought to us. But to these disciples and to the people of the first century Christianity or those who didn't know Christ or weren't following Christ, this was a whole new concept. As a matter of fact, the religious leaders of the day became so angry at him when they heard him calling God a Father. They thought that he was blaspheming and that he needed to be stoned or arrested or whatever, and ultimately he did get arrested and put to death for his uh, teachings, and they were very angry and antagonistic toward him and threatened by him. But he said that God was our Father. And if you, you don't have to turn, I'm going to just be turning quickly to several scriptures. You can write these down and look them up later. 2 Corinthians 6.18 God himself speaks these words. Second Corinthians 6. I was in the wrong one. I was in 1 Corinthians. Okay, I'm actually going to start... Up a little bit higher, I'm probably going to start in verse, well, let's start in verse 14. It says here in God's word, the apostle Paul is writing, he says, don't be yoked together with unbelievers. In other words, he's saying you don't have anything in common with people that don't belong to God. You can't be in close relationship with them. You can't be yoked with them. Yes, we need to reach out to them. We need to be a witness to them. We need to be salt to them. We need to be among people that need the light of Christ, but we can't be in close-knit relationship with them. For what, what do righteousness and wickedness have in common, or what fellowship can light have with darkness? I'm going to skip down to verse 16. It says, What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. So his heart cry is, he's saying here, I choose you. I choose you. I choose you, and I'm asking you to come out from the ways of the world. You know, when Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost and he preached his message where 3,000 people gave their, gave their life to Jesus Christ, when they, their hearts were pierced with the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and they said, what must we do to be saved? And he, he had just be, before that said to them, save yourself from this perverse generation. Do you know that there's a lot of 
darkness in the world today. I don't even have to reiterate that. There's a lot of darkness out there, and God is saying, come out from the darkness. Be separate from the darkness. I want to be a father to you. I invite you to be my sons and my daughters. And so this is an incredible revelation that God, Heavenly Father God, creator of all things, powerful, mighty, all-knowing, all-present, all-powerful God has chosen to bring us into his family and to adopt us, that he would be our father. He's chosen us. Let's look at a few other places where the word of God just kind of expands us a little bit more. And in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, the last, one of the last epistles of the Bible before the book of Revelation, 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, we read another passage of Scripture. That continues to just drive this point home. And John, the beloved disciple, the one who laid his head on Jesus' breast at the Last Supper on his chest, says here, How great is the love that the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. That is what we are. So God calls us his children. Now I want to just differentiate a little bit here. I did mention this last week. In the sense that God created everyone, he is our father in that sense. He created us. He begat us. He created all human beings. And so in that sense, we can say that God's the father of all creation. But in the sense that I'm talking about where he is our father, we're adopted into his family and we belong to his family, that only comes when we receive Jesus as our Savior and we come through Jesus to God. Because he is the door. He is the one that we must come through. And so when we are born again, when our spirits, remember we're a spiritual being, right? We're a spirit. We have a mind. We have a will. We have emotions. We live in a physical body. This is our earth suit, if you will. But we are a spirit being. That's the most important part of us is that we are spiritual beings. Every single one of you is a spiritual being. We're most cognizant and most aware of the physical realm, that which we can see and smell and touch and taste. You know, that's the part that we're most aware of. But really, that, this part is not going to live forever. I mean, I know it. I just turned 60. I can tell, you know. This, this part is fading away. This part wrinkles. This, the muscles sag, you know. <laughs> we lose muscle tone. This part isn't going to live forever. But our spiritual man is the real important part of who we are. It's the most important part. That's the part that will live and endure forever. That's the part where God comes in. When we receive Jesus as our Savior, the Spirit of God comes in, just like he blew his breath on Adam, and Adam became a living being. When we welcome God into our life and receive Jesus Christ as our Savior, what Jesus talked about in John 3.16, about being born again, and Nicodemus said, I don't understand. How can I be born again? How can I go back into my mother's womb? And Jesus said, no, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And when you open your heart to Jesus and you invite him into your life, your spirit man is born again. It comes alive. You're changed. Everything becomes new. And the Holy Spirit bears witness in your heart that you are a child of God. How many of you can remember when you did that and there was that sense of peace, that sense of newness? I know for me it was like, 
a light bulb almost seemed to have gone on in life for me. And I honestly, I, I'm not exaggerating when I say that. It was like the grass was greener. The sky was bluer. I felt like a, a weight of a huge proportion was lifted off of my life. Even though I hadn't realized it was there before, I knew it was gone. That weight of all my darkness, all my sin, all my baggage was lifted off of me. And I was born again. But I didn't understand that I was now a daughter of the Most High God and that he was my father. That's what took a while for me to begin to grasp. And I'm still grasping it. And many of you are here today and you're thinking, well, I already know that. Well, I want to say to you that we can always get a deeper understanding of that and a greater revelation of God as our Father because you have all, when you came into his family, you were adopted. Now, in the first century uh, time that Paul the Apostle was writing, the Jewish culture, the Jewish people, God's people, the tribe of Israel, it's not recorded that they had any means for actual legal adoption of adopting someone. But Paul actually references adoption about five or six times in the New Testament. That word, in it's an Aramaic word, but it's a word that um, is translated sometimes as becoming sons. But many Greek scholars, many Bible scholars say that it would be better translated adopted. And so we're going to just take a look at that in a few moments at some of the passages of Scripture. But when you study the first century times, and it, they were immersed in the Roman culture at that time because that's who they were, that's the, the government that was, they were under power, under the Roman power. They had a very clear-cut process for adoption. This is what it looked like. Let's say that there was a Roman couple, a man and a woman, who really, really wanted to have children, but they hadn't been able, they weren't successful at having children. And so they were longing to have a child, to have someone that would be their son or their daughter, that would become their heir, that would be in their household, that they would have calling them father, mother, and so forth. And so this is what it might look like. They would look among their household, among their slaves in their household. They would look for someone in their household that was someone that they were impressed by. They would choose a slave, a family of slaves in their home, and they would ask the father, could I purchase your son to become my child? I would like to adopt your son. Why would a parent do such a thing? Well, you have to realize in those days, if a child from a slave, a slave family was adopted, they gained freedom. They gained an inheritance. They gained honor. They gained a family of prestige. They gained all kinds of things. So in reality, if a father was approached and by the master saying, I'd like to adopt your son, that was an incredible opportunity for that child. And so even though the father would know that he would no longer be considered that child's rightful father, he knew that his child was going to have all kinds of opportunities that he would never, ever be able to give to him. So generally speaking, most fathers would say, yes, I will sell my son to you. And so they would go before the magistrate of the, of the court of that day, and for three sequential times, the, the um, man who wanted to become the father of that son would pay the actual father, the birth father, some money. And the magistrate would watch this. He would see this exchange of funds taking place. And on the third time, he would make a ruling that said, 
This child is no longer this man's child, but this child has now been adopted and has legally become the child of this man. And from this time forth, he is a part of this man's family. Isn't that an interesting thought? So you see, Paul referenced to this many times in his letters about us being adopted as children. Now I want to draw some parallels for you. When someone is adopted, they're chosen. They're picked out, and they're chosen. They're wanted, and the individual that adopts them chooses them. And I want to say to each one of you that God has chosen you. And a lot of times we don't feel very chosen because maybe life hasn't treated us in a way that we feel valuable or significant. And many times we have this distorted perception, as I talked about, of God, and we think, God's a hard taskmaster. He's just waiting for me to mess up. Well, I want to say to you that I have watched my two daughters and my two son-in-laws parenting their children. I've watched the tenderness and the love and the compassion. I've watched the times when they've needed to discipline and guide and direct. I've watched them when they sing over that child and rock that child. And I can tell you that when you have a parent that loves you and chooses you and wants you, that they're not just waiting for you to mess up, that when you make a mistake, they tenderly correct you, they tenderly guide you. And that's how God is with us. Please, take off the distorted lenses, take off the wrong perception, and recognize that God chose you, and through Jesus, he's adopted you into his family, and he invites you and welcomes you into his household. So when this young boy who was once a slave was brought into the family, into the household, guess what? He no longer had to be relegated to the status of subservient. No, he was in an honored position. He had become the son of the master. He could come into the house. He didn't have to stay in the servant's quarters any longer. He didn't have to do menial tasks. He was brought into the house. He could go into the inner circle. He could go into the family's inner circle, and he could come right up to the father, and he could call him father. He no longer called him master, but he called him father. And I talked last week about about how in Romans 8, that uh, the apostle Paul writes and says that the spirit of God bears witness in our own heart that we have been adopted into his family and that we can now call him Abba Father. Abba Father. And our little grandson, Reed, calls his dad Eric Daddy. And that is what Abba is like. It's a term of endearment. It's like in those days it would be as if a child ran up to the father and said, Daddy or Papa. Papa. And he could come boldly. That, that adopted son could come boldly. He could come right into the house. And the father now welcomed him to call him father, to call him daddy. And the father wanted to supply all of his needs. As a matter of fact, the father was going to make him an heir. He was going to inherit from the father's household. Do you see the parallel? This is what God has done for us. He has brought us into his family. He chose us. And I want those of you who maybe have had a broken past, because I have talked to so many people and ministered to so many people who have been hurt, who have had broken childhoods, who have had um, difficulties in the past, and some of you have had good childhoods, and your mom and dad did the best that they can. Whatever your circumstances are, whatever, 
no matter whether you had a, a happy, peaceful childhood, a good one, or a broken childhood, I want you to understand that God has chosen you. This is different than your past. This is a whole different paradigm than your past. God has chosen you. You're valuable. You're significant. He sent Jesus for each and every one to have that opportunity to be adopted, brought into the family. So what I love at our house is when my son-in-laws come over, because they're now adopted into our family through marriage, they know that they can open my refrigerator at any time and help themselves to whatever's in there. John did that last night with the mint, chocolate mint ice cream, right, John? <laughs> he knew, yeah, I know. <laughs> he knew that it was perfectly fine. He did it in my presence, and I love it. I love it that my son-in-laws know that they are at home in my house and that what I have belongs to them, and they can be a part of my family. They've been brought in. They're adopted through my daughters, right? And so... Brothers and sisters, <laughs> you've been adopted into the household of God, and he loves it when you call him Father. He longs for you to call him Father. He longs for you to include you in every part of your, include him, excuse me, in every part of your life. He wants you to know that you can come to him when you need something, when you're, when you're desperately longing for direction and wisdom and help. Every need that you have, God wants you to include him. So let's look at some more verses that talk about that. We're going to look at the one I mentioned before in Romans 8.15, because I want you to know where it is and to be able to actually see it in print. Romans 8.15. We're just going to go for about maybe 10 more minutes. Stay with me, because I have a couple more important things that we need to take a look at. So Romans 8.15 says, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. You're not a slave anymore. You're not a slave anymore. Instead, you received a spirit of sonship. And by him you can cry, Abba, Father, or Daddy, or Papa. Sounds like such a foreign thing to be able to Relate to God that way. But this is his invitation. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And if we are children, then we are heirs. We are heirs of God and we're co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. So you are a joint heir with Jesus. God says that you're a part of his family. He chose you. He set a seal of ownership upon you. I'm not going to turn there, but in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 21 and 22, it talks about how God puts his seal of ownership upon us by his Holy Spirit. When his Holy Spirit comes into us, he seals us, and it's like his ownership is on us. He marks us with his ownership. And when in the spiritual realm, if we could have our eyes open, the angels know that you belong to God. You're a part of his family. They look at you. They see that you're filled with the Holy Spirit and his seal is upon you. You know who else knows? The demonic realm knows that you belong to God, that you are marked for him, that you have been sealed by his Holy Spirit, that you're his child, you're a part of his family. You know who needs to know it? We do. We need to understand that. We need to recognize that, that we've been sealed. We're marked out. We belong to God. His protection is upon us. 
All of heaven is on our side. When we need help, we can cry out to God for help. When we need direction, we can ask God for direction. When we need him to supply our needs, we can ask him to supply our needs. Does it always turn out exactly how we want it to? No, but God's always working for good to those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. He will always work for our good. You can trust him for that. We may not always understand what's going on, but he's always working for our good to help us and to guide us and to work his best in our life. God is good. God is good. So we're no longer orphans or slaves. He said he would no longer, he would not leave us as orphans. And sometimes we feel like we have this orphan mentality. It's that those glasses, what did I do with those glasses? It's this kind of thing that we have to Take it off. We have to take off that orphan mentality. You're not an orphan. You've been adopted. You belong. You are significant. There's a place for you, and you have value. You have purpose. God's got his hand on you. He wants the best for you. Those of you that are parents, you know that you want the best for your children. My children are young adults now. They're grown up, but I still want the best for my kids. Do you know that in Zephaniah, I'm going to turn there real quick, but in the Old Testament, it's when, um, when you read it in context, it actually is talking about uh, the city of Jerusalem that was restored to its glory. And the prophet Zephaniah is talking about how God is rejoicing over the city and how the people that dwell in that city have been restored to their... I'm sorry, I'm like talking and trying to do this at the same time. Restored to their place of glory, but in Zephaniah, it talks about how God rejoices over them. And I want to highlight a couple of things because this also has with it the connotation of those who belong to God, his people. Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17, one of the small prophets of the Old Testament. Just before you get to the New Testament, you'll run into Zephaniah. But for the sake of time, I'm just going to quickly review this. It says, the Lord your God is with you. He's mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love, and he will rejoice over you with singing. Isn't that a beautiful picture of a parent with their child saying that he's with you? He's mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. How many of you have taken great delight in your children at times? Oh my goodness, they bring you such joy. He will quiet you with his love. Isn't that a like a parental picture of God quieting us with his love? And he will rejoice over you with singing. Well, that's how God feels about each one of you. That he takes great delight in who you are. He wants to quiet you with his love that place of resting in him, a place of security and rest, you do not have to strive to earn God's love. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to perform for it. That's legalism. If we do that, that's not, that's, Jesus came to eradicate that. He came to invite us to have a relationship with the Father where we can have a place of security and rest. And it's flowing out to you right now. That love is flowing out to you right now. And it actually says here that God rejoices over us with singing. He rejoices over you. He chose you. He chose you. So my challenge today, um, actually I have some handouts that I didn't hand out, so I'm going to ask Bob when this is over, if you, or excuse me, Brenda and, or Quentin and 
Bob. If you guys would put those at either entrance so that people can pick those up. Those are handouts that help you to see the difference between an orphan mentality and the mentality of someone who's a son or a daughter. Please grab one of those and look those over. They'll be at each entrance. But uh, I wanted to say in closing that God is a loving and compassionate father. He is a father that you can actually relate to. He invites you into a personal relationship with him. He wants you to know him, to get to know him. He's a caring father. I said a loving and compassionate father. He's a consistent father. He's not going to be loving you one day and mad at you the other day. You know, sometimes we feel like that with our natural parents. Like sometimes they get pretty frustrated and they kind of like don't speak to you for a day or something and they're maybe not, they're distant from you. God will never distance himself from you in that sense. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, the word of God says. So he's a faithful father. He loves to meet your needs. And he wants you to know it. So I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. And I want to encourage you to no longer live with an orphan mentality. And my question is, how many here today feel as though you need a greater revelation of God as your Father? If you do, just raise your hand. Do you feel like you need a greater revelation of God as your Father? Maybe some of you feel like, I, I really feel like I've got it, but some of you feel like you need a greater revelation. Okay, thank you. Now I'm just going to ask you to close your eyes for a moment. How many of you feel like, you know that you've never really taken that step to make God your Father. You've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. Or if you did, you're you're way far away from God. Because you know what? God loves you just the way you are. But he loves you too much to leave you that way. You've heard us say that many times, and I'm going to say it over and over. But God loves you just the way you are. But he loves you too much to leave you that way. He He chooses you, but he wants to give you his best. And his best is Jesus. His best is forgiveness of sins. So if you know you've drifted away or you've never made Jesus your Lord, you haven't even been adopted into the family yet, please raise your hand. Put it up high so I can see it if anyone has your hand up. I see that hand. Thank you. Any other, anyone else have their hand up? Please keep it high so I can see. Okay, we're going to pray a prayer together right now to open our hearts to be adopted by God. And all of us will pray together. And the individual that raised their hand, I would like to see you afterwards. Please come up and see me. But I want you to pray this prayer from your heart right now together. And we rejoice that God is going to minister his spirit of adoption to you this morning. Let's pray together. Father God, I need you. I want to open my heart to you. I thank you for Jesus Christ. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I acknowledge that he's your son. I ask you to cleanse me. I want to be your child. I want to be adopted and brought into your family. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Thank you that you will remember my sins no more. Give me the strength to follow after you. 
in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now I'd like to pray for the rest of us because sometimes we can have things from the past that really hold us back from recognizing the, the reality of Father God as our Father. So I'm just going to pray over you, and I just ask you to open your hearts to whatever God would do right now. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that you take great delight in these people who are standing here, your sons and daughters. You want to quiet them right now with your love. Lord, just let your love, Father God, touch every heart here this morning. Let your love flow. Help them to come into that place of security and rest. I break off striving in the name of Jesus. I break off the need to perform, the need to feel significance through performance in what we do. Lord, help us to come to that place of resting and knowing that you chose us and that we belong to you. Father, I pray that right now, through the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would break off rejection from the past and all sense of abandonment and that orphan mentality. We break that off right now in Jesus' name. We declare that its power is broken. And, Father, we ask you to minister the spirit of adoption, spiritual adoption to every person in this place, that it would be settled in their heart, that they know that they belong, that they've been adopted, that they're no longer orphans, they're no longer slaves. They're a part of your family. They have the right to call you Father. Father. Could we say that together? Father. Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you. And Father, I ask you to break off shame and fear. Right now we break the power of fear. Could you? I'm actually going to ask you to say something else with me. I'm going to lead you in a prayer to renounce. That means that you're rejecting and you're saying, I'm not going to wear those glasses anymore. I'm going to ask you to pray with me to renounce abandonment, rejection, fear, and shame. So could we just pray that together? Repeat after me, please, if you'd like to do that. This is a significant moment. In the name of Jesus, I renounce and reject the lies that would hold me to the past. I break agreement with abandonment and rejection. I command it to go now in Jesus' name. And I break agreement with shame and fear. They will no longer torment me in the name of Jesus. And I receive and believe that I am a child of the Most High God. He chose me. I've been adopted And I belong in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.